got a verdict in the uh, defamation case. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, good sign for uh, Johnny Depp rehabilitating his image. He said at the beginning the reason that he engaged in the lawsuit was he wanted the truth to come out. And then he's got a pretty fulsome statement that, uh, that he issued. He wasn't in court today for the verdict. Yeah, he's, he's touring somewhere and he, he issued a statement and I think you should, you know, you may want to refer to it in a moment. Yeah, because a lot of our clients have felt like this after being vindicated. vindicated. Uh, and also a lot of people have thought about doing defamation suits. There's a bunch of stuff that we need to talk about in terms of how the, what the impact of this decision may be. And, uh, but let's start with just looking at the decision itself, yeah? Yeah, so I, I think it's important because, you know, uh, defamation or civil, civil litigation isn't our, our uh, wheelhouse, but we're familiar with it. And this is actually um, quite an extraordinary uh, verdict. Mm -hmm. So a defamation lawsuit is a civil lawsuit. It's in the United States. The laws are similar. And uh, a jury makes a decision on something called a preponderance of evidence so uh, criminal trials are you have to find something beyond a reasonable doubt. So if you're thinking in math terms, it's like over 91%. And in, in civil cases, like over 51 or 55%. So the threshold is different. But in a defamation case, there's a lot at stake. And Especially order, with celebrities or people who are public. Right. And so for Johnny Depp to have succeed as he did, the jury was required to find that each of the three statements that uh, were the subject matter of this case made by Amber Heard were false and had a defamatory implication because he was a public figure and were made with malice, actual malice. And so in order to arrive at that verdict, and they announced it because it was read out, they made that finding. That's very extraordinary. So that in this case where you have competing evidence on both sides, um, experts, pictures, videos, audio recordings, messages, etc., it is very, very, very clear that the jury of five men and two women in this case did not believe a word of her claims of abuse, either uh, verbal or physical, but more specifically uh, physical. So there wasn't one instance of abuse that was accepted by the jury. Because had they accepted even one, they would not have been able to find in favor of Johnny Depp. So they absolutely unequivocally found her not credible, not reliable, and they disbelieved her. Right. And, and they, it had to be clear and convincing evidence of malice, which, you know, if you follow some of the evidence that came out, I don't think it's actually that hard to get there. It seemed like she actually had malice towards him throughout their entire relationship. So clearly when it ended, that if they found malice during the relationship. And uh, there's audio recordings and, and stuff of her, um, you know, trying to force him to come out of the bathroom and talk to her. And yeah, there was, there's lots of stuff. I actually wasn't surprised by the malice finding. No, I mean, but, but this is a really great issue for us to dig in. And, we, and we've gotten comments from some of our very loyal viewers. God bless you. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for viewing. And I guess I'll say it at this point, you know, if you like what we're doing here, please like, uh, make sure you subscribe and share, please. But they've been asking at some point for us to do a real breakdown of the evidence and look at it through the lens of maybe a gender bias one way or the other. And we're going to talk about during this episode about what will be the fallout from this and what comments and vitriol is going to be made out there. But um, it's a very significant case because you have a live jury of 
of people, just regular people, not like me who's a lawyer with my head ground down to what the law is, and you're really well-trained in the law now as, as a legal researcher, but they assessed people testifying and they said, no, we, it, we don't believe her. Mm-hmm. And that is actually the, the nice thing about juries. I mean, down in the States, you can, the jury members can talk about yeah. you know, their deliberations and their reasons and so on afterwards. In Canada, they can't, but, um, but they don't have to give fulsome reasons and they can make decisions based on common sense, which is almost like nasty words to use in court nowadays. God forbid you use common sense because it's probably based on stereotypes and myths. Say that again because it's really important because in anything of a domestic nature or a sexual nature involving a man and a woman, you know, if a judge, God forbid, says I'm using common sense to assess how this person behaves and it undermines their credibility. Mm -hmm. I've actually observed judges kind of like getting the prickly spine reaction when somebody uses the words common sense in their suggestions. It terrifies them. Yeah, because, uh, you know, and and that's something that people really should understand about some of the changes going on, especially in in cases of domestic violence and sexual assault, is that that common sense is actually being accused of, of being a vile way of thinking. And the idea of taking common sense out of the legal system is absurd. It particularly because, like, again, we have to break this down, but there's, we've been talking about this throughout this podcast that we initiated, particularly because of how worried we are about where the law is going. But, you know, the idea of common sense through the people who have been trying to educate judges and change the system has been that using common sense is rife with improper thinking, myth-based reasoning about how people behave, how victims behave, and it's just wrong. And you know what's interesting? In an instruction to a jury in a jury trial, literally one of the things that that a a judge will instruct a jury on and then a lawyer will say, be guided by your good common sense. I know. Your common knowledge of how people and the world is. I've been waiting for them to take that out of the jury instructions. Isn't that... Isn't that crazy? Yeah, judges aren't supposed to use common sense, but jury members are specifically instructed to use their common sense. Yeah, it's like, it's literally in a jury instruction. Now it may be taken out, but we often said one of the strengths of a jury system is their common knowledge that they bring together over life experience and how they understand and apply common sense to a set of facts that, that have been heard and then they have to decide upon. And now we're all being asked to say common sense is wrong. It's a dirty concept and it's frightening to me and it's offensive. And, um, and the fallout from this is really, we'll go through other issues, but the, but the fallout is against um, the verdict because it will shut down other people to come forward with abuse, mm-hmm. that it will have a chilling effect on people who are abused to come forward because you will face this type of trial and the power of you know Johnny Depp or of a man or someone else fighting back against an allegation, and what what it what it completely um, misses is that we have to have some sort of due process. We can't just take a statement by anybody, male or female, about anyone else at face value. Yeah, there's been two main criticisms of this trial as it's been progressing, and especially as it got to the jury deliberation phase. So one is complaints about um, allegedly skewed coverage. 
that heavily favored Johnny Depp. And a lot of the stuff, and that actually was part of the trial where they were talking about the onslaught of abuse that Amber Heard was getting online. And right. they didn't find that she was actually abused by Johnny Depp. But, you know, internet abuse is a totally different thing. And he definitely had a bigger team of people. Uh, the media was being accused of not fairly covering it. She fired her PR people partway through. Um, and, and, uh, and what's in the courtrooms? And there were memes like crazy. What's in U.S. courtrooms? Cameras. Talk about that for a moment. Right. So that's one of the things that, that we find interesting because, you know, we have our high-profile cases in Canada, but it's nothing like pretty much circus that goes down no. goes on down in the States. I mean, I think it, it's there's aspects that are good and bad, but in Canada, we don't allow cameras in the courtroom. Uh, you can't take photographs, and certainly there's no filming. It's not broadcast. Or recording. Yeah, there's a rare exception. I, I think like, a judge has allowed uh, people to record when he was commenting on conditions in the courthouse and stuff like that. And, at one point, and once in the Court of Appeal when, um, it might have been Milgard, I'm not sure which one, where, where the Court of Appeal had ruled that he was factually innocent and the wrongful conviction was overturned because there was such a public importance, there was no controversy about it that it had to be publicly broadcast. Mm -hmm. The closest we've had to that kind of coverage, I think, was way back in the Paul Bernardo case, actually, because uh, the U.S. media was was covering it, and so they were publishing stuff on the other side of the border. But but you know what what our viewers should be aware, and we have viewers from the United States who who think I'm a little too uh, <laughs> derogatory about the U.S. system, and I apologize. But I I think there's a lot broken about the U.S. system. But cameras uh, are very commonplace in the United States. And so it's on, there's like court TV and all this other stuff. And as much as I'd like some of our cross-examinations to be televised, because I'd be a f***ing rock star. They're epic. Uh, well, thank you. But they are. But we also are discreet. You know, we, you know, our clients don't want their lives played out everywhere in the media. So we're really discreet about it. And, you know, we're very careful not to say anything that would identify anybody. But in the United States, holy sh**, you've got the cameras... You know, it, it's like a whole paparazzi. They become celebrities. It's, it's like a TV show. Well, I said that, and I got some people really didn't like it. The last time I said it's like a reality TV show, and they're yeah. like, "That's demeaning to what the trial's about." And I go, "That's not what I meant." And I respect the comments that I got uh, during you know our podcast, but it is like a reality TV show, and I have some well, concerns. I understand about why that. they criticize that because I mean, look at the reality TV shows that exist where they're following police officers around and watching people get arrested. People love watching that stuff. They love they watching do. people get in trouble. They <laughs> do, and and the problem is you get a certain amount of vitriol, hyperbole, and gamesmanship when you know the camera's on you, and you're going to perform in a certain way because you're performing. And and for lawyers and everybody else, it's it's to a certain extent a show, but. Why do we not have cameras in Canada in a courtroom, Diana? Um, well, actually, the circus environment is one of the reasons. But um, I hadn't really thought about it because so we were talking about this earlier, and you mentioned that people couldn't be candid. Uh, right. Can you, can you imagine, you know, in a sex assault trial where we have publication bans on names and we try and, you know, do everything possible not to identify them. You imagine having your face, you're testifying in court and everything about your most intimate moments in a particular, you know, stressful situation that resulted in these charges is now broadcast live on TV on various channels and then goes across social media. And so people won't be candid. That may deter people from coming forward to talk about allegations, which I think is a reality because they shouldn't have to face public uh, criticism 
or have it all uh, played out in front of the public. And I think that's in Commonwealth countries like Canada, uh, the United Kingdom, Australia, and others, uh, th you know, you don't, this is not something we will do ever because we want people to be able to be candid, to try and be truthful and have it somewhat protected so that people can have their their personal facts and their personal lives kept to some degree of, uh, of uh, confidentiality. The other criticism, uh, and, and I want to talk about the, the memes thing, because there was something interesting yeah. I came across in the news about that, but um, the other thing is that actually covered by Amber Heard's statement, which arrived at the doorstep of the media so quickly that it was clearly pre-written. But she wrote, uh, and I believe this is the full statement, but um, I'm just reading it as it was quoted in yeah. the news. The disappointment I feel today is beyond words. I'm heartbroken that the mountain of evidence still was not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence, and sway of my ex-husband. I'm even more disappointed that with this verdict, uh, with, with what this verdict means for other women, it is a setback. It sets back the clock to a time when a woman who spoke up and spoke out could be publicly shamed and humiliated, it sets back the idea that violence against women is to be taken seriously. And it finishes with something about his attorneys succeeding to in getting the jury to overlook key issues about freedom of speech and ignore evidence that was so conclusive that they won in the UK. And that's an interesting point, actually. She says, I'm sad I lost this case, but I'm sadder still that I seem to have lost a right I thought I had as an American to speak freely and openly. Not if you're going to f up somebody's life with a false allegation, right? There has to be respect for the verdict. And they found that uh, that she was lying, that her accusations were and, false. And, and let's talk about this and break this down a little bit, because, you know, this is where um, the, the where we have a clash, you know, there's legitimacy to the fact that we have evolved as a society where people have suffered in silence, okay? So this includes women who were abused in uh, power dynamics where they were really quite vulnerable and finally they're able to come out and, and they're able to be believed about it at a trial. I, I don't in any way, shape or form wanna be taken that I don't support that. What I don't support is unchallenged allegations in forums like social media, uh, through an op-ed in a paper, through any other means that are untested, mm -hmm. where it will automatically cancel and eliminate a human being without ever having an opportunity to challenge that allegation. And this was only able to occur because this gentleman had the money and the resources to do it. And, and so many of our clients, you know, struggle to afford their defenses and, and, and we work with them to do that in their complex cases, but the impact on the economic impact, the emotional impact that they suffer with this for years. We just went to dinner, Marcy and I just went to dinner with, with clients who we won for and they were sitting, you know, you could, you could see the weight of the allegations that was on them for a two, a two year period mm -hmm. and they're still just coming out of it. And fortunately, Mr. Depp, who would have not, he was never charged. This was just, this was just an op-ed, not naming him, but everybody knew who it was. And he became, he was canceled. I know, instantly. My favorite, one of my favorite characters. Almost instantly. You know, one of my favorite characters. Again, I'll repeat it. My son Jack is named after Jack Sparrow. My kids, my other kids named him. It's a character we love, mm -hmm. you know, gone. 
you know, and that's wrong. That was this type of, of cancel. One of the memes was something about, he says something in one of the movies about, you'll remember this is the day you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow or something like that. This is like, that's one of the memes that's going around. They're saying, yeah. Amber Heard will remember today. <laughs> but it, it's terrible because, you know, again, you, you, you make an allegation and you be very opaque about it because you don't quite name the person, but you vilify them for all this abuse and everything. And you attract the attention to you because you write an op-ed about it. So like, you well, know. Well, the ACLU wrote the op-ed. That's a great point, you know. And she, when she reviewed it, she actually wanted to put more information identifying him back into the article. And then they, the, their lawyers, I think, for the... Well, I can't remember Washington Post was it published in. But anyways, they, they they nixed that idea. But she actually wanted to identify him a little more clearly. Yeah. So like, let's not blame whoever was really writing it or who who published it. It's really the the person is really the author of the story, which is Amber Heard. But again, it's one of these you know opaque attempts to eliminate a human being from public life, to vilify them and shame them. Uh, but you don't have recourse, and he had recourse because he had resources. And this was his best opportunity to do it. And, and, and frankly, what went on in the UK was a bit of a farce. Um, I know. Well, and it's a, it's a different situation. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, but uh, in terms of the malice, too, though, there, there was evidence that came out that they timed the op-ed to promote Aquaman. So it was like, you know, in terms of malice, it, it was a publicity thing. And in fact, it was sort of like a Freudian slip, perhaps, where um, one of the guys from the ACLU called it an ad. Amber's ad. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you know, it, it, I don't... It, look, uh, I, I'm a DC fan. I, I like uh, Aquaman and I, I like the Zack well, Snyder's the version of, uh, of, of Justice League. So, you know, f*** it. I, I like all that stuff. But it was just unfortunate. But what it comes down to, and I think what people have to realize is this is not about silencing victims. It's not about silencing abuse. It's not about preventing people from coming forward to seek justice for harm done. It's about due process. It's about the right of an individual to say, you know what, I, I didn't do that. And, you know, my life is now over and I don't have an opportunity to address that. And that, that's what it's about. And that's what this, this case means to me. It, it is really prolific in a way that this was an opportunity, regardless of the fact that he's wealthy and has the resources to do this. It, it's, it's prolific in the sense that you saw somebody who had to find a route to prove their reputation and restore their character in the public eye where so many other people can't. And they just get canceled and they're gone, goodbye. And I'm not saying some of those are not true, but you have to have the ability. You have to have the ability to litigate this in some format. To face your accuser. To face your accuser, because if you are innocent of this, you should have that right mm -hmm. to face your accuser and to litigate it. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, in my spare time, I read the law of evidence. <laughs> and there was, yeah. Um, you know, but actually it was from That's an article. That's a great article. Saturday night thing to do. <laughs> I know. I go to the pub with the law of evidence and make notes and they all look at me like I'm a weirdo. Um, but uh, it was actually from an article and it was an interesting comment. My favorite judge, Justice Pachoco, um, saying that uh, one of the issues with the reasonable, the wording of the reasonable doubt, the WD standard in Canada, it's a, a case called WD or whatever. But one of the problems that he identified with the original wording was that it said, if you believe the evidence of the accused, and he said, believe is a binary. And sometimes you can just be left not knowing what happened. Right. Right. And I think that's a really interesting concept in terms of hashtag believe. 
Oh, f explain that more. By the way, just as a segue, this is a lovely bottle of uh, McClellan's, not McClellan's, Scotch from 1818. It's a single malt brought to us by one of our clients who's wrongfully accused and rightfully found not guilty. Thank you. We're not naming you, but thank you for the scotch. So talk about that for a second, because that's a very interesting thing. And people have to understand, again, why we're talking about in context of this case. But I believe, I believe them. And, mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with saying privately, I I've listened to what this person says, and I believe them, but... Well, that's an appropriate thing to do if you're in a therapy role or a support person role. Right. So if it's your friend uh, or, you know, if you're, you know, engaged in some sort of a, you know, support center or something like that, then clearly then you shouldn't be questioning and doubting the person who's you know opening up and sharing things with you. But um, in all other situations and especially, you know, with things we know about online interactions that people are kind of hiding behind their computers. They say and do things online that they wouldn't normally say or do if they were facing the person. Absolutely. And so it's an easy place to make accusations, but it can, as we've seen over and over again, ever since the Harvey Weinstein stuff and the Me Too allegations, um, everybody wanted to be in the club to have their own story and to be part of this phenomenon that was going on. And it's instant There's uh, and, and there's a demand that you must believe. Right. So let's break this down again. And maybe we're completely repetitive with all of our podcasts. And I apologize. But after the Gomeshi case, okay, and the verdict that was, you know, really assailed by so many people in the community, including these interest groups. And the, it was a the, the, the great then police decision. Chief, it was an outstanding decision and a correct decision. Um, and an inevitable decision. Mm -hmm. There was no way around an acquittal. Yeah. Okay. They were reckless with the truth, I think, was yeah. actually something said. So, but the chief of police then said, you know, we believe women. Mm -hmm. And I went on radio, and I think I was on TV at that time, and I said, this is a, a, a reckless statement to make from an organization whose job is to investigate crime. And we have police officers who follow this podcast, and sometimes they feel maybe we're I'm blaming them for things, and, and some We've had many cases where officers do a very thorough investigation and do a great job. And although the person's charged, there's evidence within there because they did their work that we're able to draw upon to prove innocence. Mm -hmm. Okay. So don't get me that I'm saying across the board, there's bad investigations. But when you start from a premise of we believe, so you have a confirmation bias about the story. I'm just going to believe it because that's the thing we should be doing now. And and we apparently, I love the word binary, you know, that yeah. we're supposed to not be binary about anything anymore. Um, that's my, sorry, <laughs> don't want to get off topic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, like we know with testimony, you can believe some, all, or none of somebody's testimony. There is that some of it kind of thing. I, I watched an amazing presentation for a skeptic community. I can't remember the woman's name who, who did the presentation, but she was actually saying, uh, you know, there's, she had like a triangle kind of thing. And she's like, there's the believe and the don't believe. And she goes, it's actually, if you go from the tip, it's quite often it's right down the middle where they're both telling a little bit of the truth. They, people perceive things differently. Right. So, so you can be telling the truth and still be wrong. Right. So sometimes, sometimes you can actually believe what you're saying and mm -hmm. it's not true. But, you know, we cannot lose sight of the fact that when we're talking about people, 
and their reputations and their livelihood and their families and who gets hurt by a false allegation that there has to be an ability to test that and we have to be very careful as a society to not take everything at face value we absolutely should not do that we see the harm of you know information which is funneled through a specific perspective you know we see this playing out in international politics geopolitical politics now we, we you know what's going on across the world where, where people in certain countries are not getting actual news they're getting only propaganda right what propaganda do we want to accept in a free and democratic society for god's sakes and and what did johnny depp say about this and god bless him for saying so, this because it's an important point about anybody who's wrongfully accused yeah and, and this sounds like so many of the clients that we've had too that you know yeah. have wished they could have gone forward to uh, a, a civil trial and, and get and some made sort something of, publicly because yeah. the people that we that, you know the people that are acquitted that we represent nobody gives a shit afterward you know, we don't do a press release because it's almost worse, you know, but they don't get any sort of recourse beyond that trial. You know, they get a verdict and they move on, but there's still a record of it with the police system, which we spoke about before. You know, look, look at an episode we did that there's always a record. It's not a f-ing joke. You know, there's somebody who came in who's 21 now who's retained us, you know, a, an outstanding young man. I absolutely accept what he's saying. And he, one question he asked is like, is this always going to be there? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you'll, it'll say, not, you know, God willing, if we win, and I'm sure we will, it'll say not guilty, but it's searchable. It's still there. <laughs> There's yeah. always a record. Bless you, honey. But what did Johnny say? So, so Mr. Johnny Depp, I don't want to. Johnny, don't be mad. I call you Johnny. I don't know. You just kind of feel like you know them after a while. <laughs> I did. I grew up. I, I had all my kids all grew up with uh, Depp movies. Yeah. It says, six years ago, my life, the life of my children, the lives of those closest to me, and also the lives of the people who for many, many years have supported and believed me were forever changed, all in the blink of an eye. False, very serious and criminal allegations were levied at me via the media, which triggered an endless barrage of hateful content, although no charges were ever brought against me. Sorry, it's my... My glasses only work. Yeah, I know. We're getting old. (laughs) I know. It's kind of a fuzzy printout, too. Um, It had already traveled around the world twice within uh, a nanosecond, and it had a seismic impact on my life and my career. And six years later, the jury gave me my my life back. I am truly humbled. I, I like the way he says that, you know, humbled. Because, you know, a lot of bad stuff came out about both of them, but... They saw through that. That's the way you should look at the outcome of a trial in your favor, too. It should be humbling, I think. It is, but you know, you know, Johnny Depp, like so many people, spoke about, you know, the 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 bad experiences they had in life that led them to certain things. You know, there are demons. Not everybody's perfect. Not everybody grows up perfectly. You know, sometimes people are broken by what they've experienced. And what do I always say? You know, what's that line? The broken love harder and deeper and and sometimes they're the most sincere people and um that's true we've seen this in our business we've seen this in our personal lives and he's humbled by seven people he didn't know Mm -hmm. regardless of his fame um see through it and find in his favor and i can't underscore the importance of the fact that these seven people watched amber heard testify and i'm not vilifying her i'm just saying here's the process seven people our peers anybody who from the walk of society 
heard the evidence, watched carefully, assessed it, assessed the other evidence, like the stupid expert evidence that came out from her side, and then said, no, we don't, we don't believe this. That is a democratic process. The jury made better. That's humbling. So who's the, the jury seemed, apparently made a better, you know, psychiatrist than her. But that's true. But, th- but this is why we <laughs> underestimate the importance and value of, of people and f- common sense. Common sense is so important. And the fact that we're trying to eradicate it in trials related to uh, sexual assault or domestic abuse is stupid. We know how people behave. We all grow up with shit. Everybody has shit. Everybody's family has shit. We've experienced things. People go through bad divorces. People go through traumas. People go you know, live with stuff. You know, my, my family was eradicated in the Holocaust. I had one grandparent who didn't live that long. My dad was forever a bit of a shadow because of that. We grew up with that. You know what that trauma is, you know? It doesn't necessarily shape right. me, but we all, we all have shit that happens. So that's what juries bring to bear. Everybody has something in their life with their friends or their family, and they're in a really good position to assess is this true or not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I'd also add though that, uh, and I do believe it's true, that you can't know happiness unless you've known despair. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is much more um, fulfilling. It's much more enjoyable. It's much more rich. And you're humbled by what you enjoy because you've experienced so much other bad stuff. Yeah, you can appreciate all, the happiness. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I think we're all going to cry at this moment. But we've all crawled through. <laughs> sh- you know, well, I always say that you know, and especially when people come in and they go, "Oh my God, my life is terrible. You have to help me. You have to help me." And it's like, okay, you're in a crisis point right now, and this is something that I've used in my life, and and it really connects with people. That you can have to say, "Do I like myself?" And if you like yourself and who you are, you can't change anything that happened to you because it brought you to who you are today. So Right. Like I, I'm able to experience, you know, a, a lovely and nurturing wife who with a, a great marriage and my children are benefiting from it. And, you know, I went through difficult times before. I'm not saying anything bad about my former marriage, but, you know, you experience things and then you appreciate what you have and you're blessed for it. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes us better at making yeah. decisions about things that are this important because we know life. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And it's I can cool. recognize a liar. You don't lie to me, you lie to girls. But yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. But we can figure out who's lying, you know? And, you know, we've been trained in law. I, I have, but now you're trained quite well in law. And you can sniff out bullshit. You can, you know, I've cross-examined we thousands have, of I people. I use life experience all the time. But it's, that's the most important. That's the most important thing I draw on. You know, this week we're, 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 we've been interviewing for a new associate at the office. And you know what I look for? I look for people who've dealt with the public, mm-hmm. you know, in a customer service capacity. And I say to my children, you don't understand how much you're going to learn by dealing with the public because it teaches you stuff about how people behave, how to interact, how to understand people. And that's what you can bring to bear in a trial, whether it's a civil trial or a criminal trial, and then make an assessment like this jury did and said... This doesn't smell right. It doesn't feel right. No, I'm not believing it. But the other reason I think I like the, his use of the word humble is I think people need to understand what it is to engage in this kind of thing. He had to reveal so much personal information. 
he had to say things about himself and acknowledge things about himself that were not flattering. No. And he had to put himself on public display, almost like eviscerating himself and letting everybody, you know, look at his, his inner organs. You he know, was like, bare before the world, bare before that jury, good or bad, this is who I am, but I didn't do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And, you know, and I, you know, and we, what it turns out to be to people, is like a lot of us. That a criminal trial, at least you have, like, you know, that you can only be convicted if they meet the burden of proof. But, you know, if people want to relitigate and say, I was defamed, you're going to put yourself back on trial for the same allegations because they will say it's true. So they'll claim truth, right? Right. And uh, then you have to try and meet the uh, civil uh, standard of the, the lower burden where it's just a probability. So I was like, do you really want to get through all of this? And then put yourself back on trial for the same thing on a lower standard. It's it's actually fairly brave what he did, I think. I think it is. I think he had no choice and he had the resources. So again, let, let's not devalue that. Johnny Depp had the resources to do this where so many people will suffer in silence from, from false allegations. But let's just end with this because I think we're hitting our mark here. And, and we're going to come back... And we're gathering up more of the it's actual more trial evidence. more to his decision or his statement, but people can go find it online. Yeah, and, and we're going to come back and we're going to do an analysis because I do think this is a great case study. Um, but, you know, there will be continued fallout now. And what's important for to take away from this podcast, if anybody really wants to take something away, is critically analyze those comments that are made publicly about the good, the bad, or the ugly about this decision. And there will be people who will say, like what's quoted here, I'm not going to quote who wrote it, this case is a horrible precedent for the way victims of abuse um, are treated and how public opinion will uh, will write about them in the future. And there was another one that came out about, um, if I can just say, I don't know, I think this might have been Amber Heard. I spoke up against sexual violence and faced her culture's wrath. That was that the title of her article. Yeah, so... There's one other thing I want to bring up to Bring it up, and then I just want to say one more last comment about this. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Jokes become ideas. So there was an interesting article, and there's been a number of articles written about these memes that are going on, because people are having a lot of fun reenacting the testimony, because it was broadcast, they can see it. And so they're, you know, she uh, is criticized for, like, crying and then kind of going... And laughing you know when she's not on camera or doesn't think she's on camera but um so people have been making fun of that lots of videos reenacting her testimony on tiktok there's like you really i actually lost it today looking at it's a scooby-doo thing where they pull oh, yeah. off the mask of the dog and it's amber heard uh, i had to leave the room because you were doing some sort of interview um <laughs> i was on radio yeah yeah um so uh so i mean some of them are actually are really funny but there was uh, there have been some articles published saying that you know that these memes are a horrible thing and it's mocking domestic violence right yeah it's only mocking it if she was actually abused which the jury found she wasn't but uh, so we'll see where the memes go from here but there was a fantastic quote from somebody who I guess this is the new way of describing themselves a gender justice advocate <laughs> it almost sounds like a superhero doesn't it it is gender justice it is it has a cape uh, <clears throat> Maybe a lightsaber. That's a, that's, it starts here and, and, and it escalates really fast. Jokes become ideas. This idea that you can demean, police, persecute, and punish people, 
then it becomes harassment, threats, and verbal abuse. And then it can also, if people think that's okay, then it'll lead to other things like sexual assault, physical violence, and murder. So somehow we go from a joke to murder? Yeah, it's just stupidity. It's just stupidity. And it's pandering. You know, it's just pandering. I can't even. Yeah, there's no words for it, but that's what she said. Where's her button? Oh, it's upstairs. Um, but let's just end on this. I believe that, you know, sometimes these memes can be hurtful. And whether she lied or whatever, you all decide on your own. I like to feel that we should have balance in society and we should have sensitivity and not necessarily vilify. Take the high road. I, I'm a big fan of taking the high road. Uh, being a gracious winner and take the high road and, and we should all follow that. That said, when you listen and you read the fallout from this trial about what it means for- And when you're thinking about casting Aquaman 3. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, you know, but when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're exposed to this and you're thinking about it, please critically think about it. And then let's think about it in, in, in the perspective of those who are really a victim and those who are really wrongfully accused and what mischief all this can cause. And whether or not people should, uh, you know, lose their role as a certain character just because somebody made an allegation. It should never happen. That type of cancel culture, that type of eliminating people simply because of some op-ed, some allegation that's untested, that should stop. That can't continue. It's wrong and it's, it's insidious and it, it harms lives and it's got to stop. And we see it. It's almost like terrorizing people. Look, it is terrorizing people, and we see it happen to our clients, and that's why we do what we do. Thanks, Dee. We do it well. <laughs> Thank you. We do. You do it well. We do. We're a team at Newberger & Partners.